0: Okay, what an incredible semester it has been. Uh, firstly, going through Genesis in an in-depth way, looking at the lives of Abraham and Isaac uh, and seeing how they apply to us specifically concerning our experience of Christ. So that's really been an awesome uh, beginning. And then, of course, we're ending up with a, uh, you might say, a 1-2-3 slam dunk, uh, seeing basically three of the deepest chapters in the New Testament. Uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, you have these three chapters uh, which are simple but very profound. And uh, I would say three of the simplest and yet miss most uh, most misunderstood chapters in the New Testament, uh, and yet within them contains uh, the very heart of God's eternal purpose. And so uh, tonight we will cover the third of those uh, three chapters, which are John chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16, which show to us basically uh, the consummated God with the regenerated believers and their relationship with one another and God's produce from that relationship which is his consummate expression. So um, this is a marvelous thing to, I think, to end the semester on because these are uh, simple on the outside but intrinsic and deep. And uh, I think you will spend uh... the rest of your life studying these three chapters and never plumb the depths they are very amazing chapters and i love coming back to them again and again like an old friend and i feel like we've done it again here uh... to see these three chapters john fourteen john fifteen and john sixteen uh, because there's so much in these chapters to help us see what is God's purpose. So here, firstly, we have uh, Roman number 1. Let's read that together. Ready? Go. The incorporation of the God with the believer. Okay, right away, that's a mouthful. The incorporation... I mean, is that a business? Did God just start a divine enterprise? Well, this is not incorporation like some of you business-minded students may understand. But this incorporation uh, is much deeper and more intrinsic. And uh, it has the thought of God and man and man and God okay and it's the consummated God because this shows us a picture of God who's gone through the process of incarnation human living death resurrection and ascension and now he's poured out as the spirit and particularly in these chapters he's called the spirit of reality so this spirit now becomes the consummated God God who's gone through the full process of of humanity, death, and resurrection. And now he's available to humanity as the applied spirit. Okay, so uh, we get to see this consummated God with the regenerated believers. And this is marvelous because in this picture here, uh, we were given three amazing pictures to see this. Uh, I think you remember John chapter 14. How could you ever forget Tim's watermelon? right where he was going and then what coming. coming again so in his going where did he go the to the cross right he was going to the cross and as he passed through the cross then eventually he became what he became the spirit, spirit. he became the spirit the essence of the triune god now available to man And so, our God today is not just a big watermelon up in the sky who is unapproachable, untouchable, and unreachable, but He's the touchable, and reachable, and drinkable God. So, it's very amazing that our God has become so available. So, in John chapter 14, again, a greatly misunderstood chapter, we see that the Father's house, there, letter A, is for His indwelling. God wants a dwelling place. This is a picture here. Um, I think many of you students, maybe you live in dorms or apartments. Aaron, where do you live? An apartment. apartment. As nice as that apartment is, do you want to stay there the rest of your life? <laughs> Aaron, what would you like one day? Uh, a house with many abodes. Yeah, a house. <laughs> a house with many abodes. That's quite an answer. <laughs> You could just go with a house. I'll take that, all right? So, um, you know, just as you college students one day uh, would like a counterpart and a house and so forth, God is looking for his house, his dwelling place, his rest, his satisfaction. So uh, there's, a, there's a picture here with God's house, mainly in that it's a place where God can have a dwelling place. He wants to dwell there. He wants, God wants to dwell in man, and he wants man to dwell in God. That is incorporation. You could put John 14, 20. In that day you will know that, does anybody know that verse? In that day you will know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. What an incorporation. There is a, you could say, a mutual indwelling. Mutual indwelling. So with the Father's house, God wants a dwelling place. Incredible chapter I could spend the whole night, but we'll bounce quickly to the next point, is the Son's Vine. Uh, I heard some say after that message, that was the most incredible message all semester. What an incredible picture. The organism of the triune God in a vine, a vine tree. How flowing, how organic, how filled with sap and life. And then what comes out of all that sap at the end of the branches? Fruit. Fruit, real fruit and real fruit bearing is the overflow of the inner life. You know, gospel preaching is not just an activity outwardly. It's a living that has an issue. And that issue is the overflow of the inner life. And that overflow actually is fruit. So real fruit comes out of the life that's in us. It's very marvelous. So the son's vine here is for what? His spreading. You see a vine? Vine... Their chief characteristic is they spread. My parents had a large vine growing on their house. Let's see, is there somebody here? There may be... Anyway, there's someone here who lives at my parents' house. And at the front of the house is a huge vine. And they have to... They have to do what? They have to trim it all the time. Because if they don't trim it, it's going to literally take over the whole house. Because vines spread. And so the characteristic of this divine vine is that it's spreading, right? And uh, it's always wanting to spread. The life in it is growing, moving, and spreading. It is spreading out. And so this vine, you know, it began as a trunk in the Middle East and a little country called Israel. Where there was a little trunk there, a little root out of dry ground. A little root there started. And then eventually that root went through a little process and guess what? It started sprigging forth and it started spreading. And that vine has, you know what? It's encircled the whole earth today. You realize the vine covers the whole planet. Not long ago I was in Australia... And before that, I was in New Zealand. And before that, I was in a lot of other countries. Every place I go, more of the vine tree. More of the spreading vine. And even on this campus, you know what? We hope the vine continues to spread. There's a lot of students that have not yet been filled with the divine life, or touched or known Christ himself, and the vine would like to spread. So it's marvelous that we have this picture here in John 15 of a spreading vine. Okay, uh, goodness, we could talk the whole night about John 15. So marvelous. I love this chapter uh, on fruit bearing and spreading. But tonight we will get into John chapter 16. Probably the most difficult of the three is... Uh, And yet the most deep and intrinsic of the three. John chapter 16, uh, where we will call this entity the Spirit's child. Very amazing. And you have to look intrinsically into this chapter and pull the extract out to see this. But we have in 14, the Father's house. 15 the son's vine and finally in 16 the spirit's child and here this child is actually christ both individually and corporately the spirit's child so the spirit has a offspring the spirit has a produce which is a child and that child then becomes the expression of god Some of you, um, maybe you have little brothers and sisters. uh, And some of you are married, or fewer of you are that, with children. But eventually your children, you realize and recognize, have many of the same characteristics as you. Because they are from your life and therefore have your expression. And so the Spirit also has produced a child. And this child has the expression and characteristics of God. Okay? So we want to look uh, at this child and see what it does. Of course, here we have the Spirit's child is for his moving. Praise the Lord, this child is moving. Okay, God has a move on this earth. And this child is involved in this move of God. So let's go quickly on to Roman numeral 2 because I know my time is going to go quickly. Let's read that. Go. Christ. Okay, let's read John 1621 and get right to the heart of the matter and get into this. Uh, there's a lot to say about John 16. We'll only cover the very essence. Okay, so let's read 1621 together. Ready? Go. Amen. Okay, so uh, there's a woman here who is giving birth, and then she's bringing forth what? It says, when she brings forth a, a little child. Very interesting. She brings forth a little child, and then she no longer remembers the affliction um my wife and I have, have had four children and I have been there at all four births. Hey, great stamp for the good dad, all right. Um attended that. And uh it it is very intense. That's an understatement, and uh and there's definitely some affliction there. Just just saying, just saying, okay? But, but, after the affliction, there's so much joy, so much joy, and it's really true, it's really true. Um, uh, One day, one day, when you have your first child, uh, you'll see the same process, and uh, many big, strong, tough guys that I've known through the years, I tell them when I know their wives are pregnant, I said, you're going to cry like a little baby. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and then I go see them right after I find out they had their child. And usually he's holding the little baby. And he's like, this is my baby. Ah! And um, full of joy, a little child was born. And so, of course, there was affliction. But eventually the child brought so much joy. Uh, it's really, it's deep. It's even indescribable. Uh, Because that child is your increase. It's an amazing, incredible miracle. It truly is. Even in the physical realm, when a child is born, how much more so in the divine and mystical realm, when the Spirit brought forth this little child. Now, interestingly, this woman here, you could say, is the disciples in a corporate sense. These disciples were with and around Jesus and... Being there with him, eventually they were the ones who brought forth this person, Christ, and gave birth. And eventually, this Christ, not only was the individual Christ passing through death and resurrection, but in resurrection, we also got regenerated. Before you were born, 2,000 years ago... Every believer, in the process of Christ himself, as the head of the body passing through death and resurrection, uh, came out in resurrection, we also got regenerated. You can look up 1 Peter 1.3. We won't take the time. But he regenerated us in that process. Now, um, this little child here is what actually expresses God himself. And this little child is what is on God's heart and is why God is moving on the earth today. Okay, so to look further into this detail let's read John 20:17. Go. Jesus this, this moment here in John 20 was freshly after the Lord's resurrection just right after the Lord resurrected and so he saw Mary there and he told her don't touch me that's because the father gets the freshness of the Lord's resurrection and so as he was going to the father he gave Mary a message so that all the ones who were among them would know you have become a what? Brother. You become a sister and I am your father. Fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers have the same life. So in that resurrection, in that process of death and resurrection, God in Christ... As the Spirit release the divine life into all the believers. Actually, for all of time in that process. It's remarkable. Okay? So you should underline my Father and your Father. Strong emphasis, my God and your God. Okay? Then Romans 8:29, read it. Go. Because of those who need for him, he also Underline firstborn, firstborn among many brothers. Wait a minute, I thought he's the only begotten son of God. Isn't that the most famous verse in the Bible? Vivian? John 3.16? I was driving the other day and this guy had this bumper sticker and all it said on it was 3.16 with a colon. Imagine how popular that is. That now they would just put three colon sixteen. They don't even put the word John. Because it's so popular. That verse, John three sixteen. And that verse mentions the only begotten Son of God. Well, is it true? Is he the only begotten? Of course. Christ is the only begotten, but here there's another title with another emphasis on this Christ. Here he's the firstborn. What? Among many brothers. Among many brothers. Does that mean there's a secondborn? Yes. And a third. Yeah. And in mathematics, we put dot 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 in born. Right. For those math majors, maybe not too many of you are in math. I don't know. Or maybe you hate math. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, there's millions of born. Many born. So through the process of death and resurrection, he became the firstborn among many brothers. That means you and I, we have an older brother. Who's that, Richie? Christ. Jesus Christ, say that. Jesus Christ is my older brother. Go. Jesus Christ is my older brother. How about that, Carl? Pretty awesome. Yeah. You talk about your big brother. Jesus Christ. And you have the same life and nature that he has, okay? Alright, moving on quickly here. Acts 13, 33, go. And that God has fully Okay, this day, what day is that? The day of resurrection. This day, he says here, this day have I begotten you. Now, this is not too deep for you to understand, but it is deep and I want you to really consider and listen. When Jesus was born in the manger, was he the son of God? Yes. Thank you. Be bold. He definitely was the son of God. In the manger, was he the son of man? He was. Okay, that is true. He was both the son of God and he was the son of man. But he had not completed his process yet. And it was imperative that he passed through death and enter into resurrection. Because that resurrection was also a birth. What was it a birth of? Why was resurrection a birth? It was a birth because his humanity, the man Jesus, had to enter into Divinity. Okay, let me go back. When God was incarnated, God, or divinity, was brought into humanity. That little baby Jesus, how many people recognize that it was God? Not that many. Maybe just a few, right? Some shepherds, some wise men. But did the rest of society know who that little man Jesus was? No. No. He was going through human life, picking up all kinds of experiences. And that uplifted humanity then, listen, had to be born into divinity. So you could say in incarnation, divinity got brought into humanity. But in resurrection... Humanity got brought into divinity. Amen. Do you see that, UK Sam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So God has gone through this process. And in that being bringing humanity into divinity, the Spirit's child was produced. Okay? So <clears throat> you have to pick this up. God was brought into man, and then through death and resurrection, man was brought into God. Okay, let's look at another verse that talks about this even more intrinsically, Romans 1, 3, and 4. Let's read these together, go. Okay, this seed of David, who was flesh, what does that emphasize? His humanity. As the seed of David, David was a man. So this seed of David, it said here, at this point, he was designated the Son of God when? Out of the resurrection of the dead. So this seed of David passed through death... And came out in resurrection. And in resurrection, he was this word designated very important. Underlined, designated. Designated the Son of God. You could say his humanity got sunized. His humanity got sunized. That means his humanity got brought into divinity. And he became the son of God now in total. Again, he was definitely the son of God when he was a born as a little baby in the manger. No question. But you know what? He was picking up all the human experiences in his human life for 30 years. And in the last three and a half years of his ministry, he completed everything. And then he nailed sin and death On the cross, terminated that, went into the process of death, and came out in resurrection. And brought the uplifted humanity of Jesus into the Godhead. I know this is deep, but you can get it. This is awesome. You have to see the intrinsic picture here in John 14, 15, and 16. God was brought into man... And now, in these chapters, man is being brought into God. It's a very deep thought, okay? So, this designation here was with the humanity of Jesus being brought into the divinity of God. Okay? This is marvelous. Okay. Uh, You have to see these things. There's so much more in these chapters, it's deep. It's awesome. And this is the process God has gone through and now is bringing us into. Okay? So this child, this spirit's child, firstly was with Jesus himself passing through this process. But in resurrection, we also got brought in as the many sons of God. Okay, and so let's go to Romans 3 there. Let's read this all together. Ready? Go. Of child. Okay, that was weak. Read it again. Go. The of child. Okay, Colossians 1.18. Read it. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the the firstborn from the dead. He the in all so again, underline the firstborn the firstborn firstborn implies many born and this is even even not yet all the places firstborn is mentioned he's the firstborn so he was born in resurrection as a new child which eventually becomes the new man of which we are a part okay and then romans this new child is the body of christ it's his increase, his multiplication. So look at Romans twelve four and 5. Let's read these two together. Ready, go. For just as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So in 4, I want you to underline many members. Many members. And then five, I want you to underline many, and again, underline members. Many members. Do your individual members, Carl, okay, stand up for a moment. Okay, hold up your finger. All right. This is definitely a member, is it not, of your physical body? It is. If I were to take a knife and cut it off, would you be happy? I would not. You would not be happy because that's a very organic, intrinsic member, is it not? It is. And would would you just say that's a member or is that you? I would say that's me. Yeah. You, you wouldn't emphasize the member part at that point, right? Probably not, no. Because how is this member attached? Uh has the same life and what carries the life the blood the blood that's a great verse exodus 17 11 the life is in the blood it's very interesting in any in any way this circulation this circulation in the physical body of the blood is what brings life to our whole body and in the spiritual sense in the mystical body of christ there is the circulation of the spirit which is real, which is definite. And it's what makes you and me a member because we have the flow of the Spirit in us. At one point, we opened up the very first time and said, Lord Jesus, come into me. And at that moment, we got connected to the divine flow and we became a member of the organic mystical body of christ this is the increase of christ and the outflow of christ and this is his move on the earth today okay uh so much to say i'll move on quickly though this is the spirit here let's read point four all together ready go the spirit of the God is Okay, how about sisters on Ephesians 2.15? Strongly, ready, go. in his flesh the law of commandments ordinances, that he might create the two in himself into one new man, so So I want you to realize that here in John 16, we have this t- title, The Spirit of Reality. And this spirit here wants to bring us into all the reality. And this reality is in this child. Here now, I'm emphasizing the corporate child, which becomes the one new man. It's an awesome title. We could spend the whole night on that title, but it's one new man. And this one new man has the flowing of the Spirit inside. And the Spirit is bringing us into this reality. The Spirit is what makes application these lights tonight are all connected there are several switches but suppose it was just one switch you could easily make that change my first degree was electrical engineering so I know that's an easy switch right there at the switch but in any event they're all connected by a switch and when you flip the switch you trip a little relay and that connects the wire from the outside source to all these lights. And when you make that flip of the switch, electricity begins to flow through all these lights, and then there's an expression. So that's a picture of the Spirit. As an application. You know, God, the Father is like a great power plant. If you go down to the power plant down on Town Lake and walk up to that giant generator and put your hand on it, what might happen? It's, It's too much. If you try to apply yourself to God, the Father, directly, what will happen to you? Yeah, instant vaporization, right? Unapproachable. 1 Timothy 6.16 says, God who dwells in unapproachable light. He's unapproachable. But God uh, went through a step-down transformer in the person of Jesus Christ. And he became so approachable in that little man Jesus to the point that people weren't even clear it was God manifested in the flesh. They didn't realize. He was walking around. Some said, is this not uh, Joseph's son? uh, Isn't he a carpenter or something? I mean, who is this guy? Right? But even in that form, as a man, he still could not be applied. So eventually, he went through the process of death and came out in resurrection as the Spirit. And as the Spirit today... The Spirit is God reaching us. The Spirit is God coming to us. The Spirit is God touching us and applying to us all the reality. Okay? Just like the lights are the electricity reaching us. And the light comes down. It reaches so pleasant. It's so nice. We all get to enjoy the light. If you go to the power plant... And you just look directly at the source and you go inside that motor too, too much, unapproachable. But he has gone through a process now to become so approachable, realizable, applicable, and enjoyable. Yeah. It's marvelous. So this is the spirit and him, him producing the one new man. Okay, sorry. Letter A, quickly read it. Convicting us concerning sin. Okay, brothers, 8 through 11, go. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning
1: sin, and
0: concerning righteousness, and, and concerning, concerning judgment. judgment. Concerning, concerning sin, because <coughs> they do not believe it in me, and concerning righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you no longer behold me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Okay, first of all, this, the application of the Spirit is to convict us concerning sin, both initially and, I would even say, daily. The Spirit is there, operating in us. And, you know, as we go through our daily life, because we have the Spirit in us, and then we commit a sin we're usually quite clear that the flow gets cut off when we commit a definite sin. There's the flowing of the Spirit and then if sin comes in, bang, the flow is cut off and we are not in the current, present, conditional flow of the Divine Spirit. So the Spirit's there. The first job is to convict us and This conviction also is kind of in a more general once for all sense with unbelievers the spirit convicts them concerning their sin so that they will repent and be transferred out of Adam and into Christ okay then it says concerning righteousness of course this righteousness is actually here concerning Christ himself as our righteousness and then concerning judgment is towards Satan the old dirty rascal On the cross, praise the Lord, he got judged. Amen. Amen. He got judged once for all. And sometimes we need to just give him a little pep talk and say, Satan, you need to go jump in the lake of fire. Satan, don't forget you got crucified on that cross and you were dealt with and you are no longer part of my life. Satan, get out. Amen. And sometimes we need to be a little bit strong to rebuke the enemy in the Lord's name and cause him to flee from us. Okay. All right. Then letter B here quickly. Transmitting all that the Father and Son have. Uh, and I just want all of us to read John 16:13 together. Go. Although he hears he 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 And he will to the things that are him. I want you to underline he will guide you into all the reality, you know the Spirit's job is to guide us into all the reality. How does He do this? How does He guide us? Just is there a, is there, is it? Let the force be with you, Carl, and you just feel this thing moving you. No, no. The Spirit here is as He. As we are enjoying Him within, there is an inward guiding and there's an inward dispensing of His life and His element into us. And as He is dispensing His life into us, we get a certain feeling, we get a certain direction, we get a certain thought painted into us by the Spirit, and as a result, we get a guide. What's the direction to take? I don't know. Sometimes a brother or sister comes to me and said, "Uh, Brother Kerry, can I go to such and such a place? And I'll say, I don't know. How does the spirit feel? How do you feel led? Why? Because we trust in the guiding spirit, in the dispensing spirit, in the leading spirit. Okay? Uh, so this is one of the main functions of the Spirit is to guide us into all the reality. And finally, you could say uh, that last phrase there, He will declare to you the things that are coming. You know, the Spirit is going to speak and declare all the things that are coming. Uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, you know, the functions of the Spirit can be seen in the Gospels. And in the, in the Gospels... The Spirit convicts concerning sin. In the epistles, the Spirit basically reveals all that Christ is. And finally, in Revelation, the Spirit declares all the things that are coming. Quite interesting. Okay. And then finally, Ephesians 4.24. Let's read it. Go. And put on the new man, which was created God, in and of Okay. This new child is this new man. And this is what this epistle is. Paul is telling us here to put on the new man. Put on the new man. This is something very experiential. Because as the Spirit is growing in us and developing in us, we are putting something on. And that is the reality of Christ himself. And when we enjoy the Spirit within us, there is a real putting on of the new man. We put off the old man, but we also practice putting on the new man. And there's a lot of practical points we could get into, but I don't have time. So we'll end this semester realizing we need to put on the new man, which is a reality which was created according to God. So this is how we need to enter the summer as a new man. Here for God's move as the Spirit's child for His increase all over this campus. Don't you want to see the Lord's body increase? We know we have another 10,000 freshmen coming to this campus. In just a few days they start. At the end of this month, there'll be the first wave of 1,200 new freshmen. And you know what? That's an opportunity for us to enjoy this moving of the Spirit's new child for His increase on this earth. So we have to pray for that, uh, get ready for that, and realize the Lord is moving today for His increase.